because they don't want to leave their safety and security, which is not real. I mean, it's just not. I mean, where you are isn't real. It's not safe. It's not secure. It could end tomorrow. So I think once you get your mind around that, that there isn't, everything is insecure, uh, nothing is safe. And that's that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing. That means the adventure is just ahead of you. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design a life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. Okay, welcome back everybody to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today I have a super guest. Today I have with me Andrew McWilliams. Andrew is the founder of the McWilliams Group Real Estate and Andrew McWilliams Coaching. He's also achieved the status of 1% among the top REMAX agents internationally. So to say that he's had some success selling some real estate and his branch of, of Remax is, is an understatement. So I'm super excited to bring Andrew to you today for the listeners. We've, we're just having a conversation that every time we get a chance to talk, it's an amazing thing as far as talking about financial education, talking about personal development, talking about goals, talking about priorities, talking about all kinds of things that I know that this conversation is going to be super valuable for you today. So Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Randy. I'm very honored to be here. Yeah. It's going to be a great conversation. So first off, can you just give everybody a little bit of color? Tell everybody a little bit about yourself, kind of where you've been, just a little bit more details about Andrew. Get to let everybody get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been in Colorado, I think, half my life now. I grew up in uh, northeast Georgia on a dirt road, um, like you might imagine. There was a, a television show, I think, back in the 80s, uh, Dukes of Hazard. And that fairly uh, reflects uh, maybe not me exactly, but I definitely grew around, grew up around those people. I, I tease that I took Daisy Duke to the prom, um, and that's that's not far off. Uh, so you know that was that was growing up, uh, you know, kind of rural Northeast Georgia. Um, and uh, but when I found Colorado through a series of events, I uh, decided that this is where I should have been born. I, I really had an experience where I, I one day I'd, I'd come to visit a friend who lived in Denver, and then he was working during the day, and so I would go explore. And uh, and so I rented. I had this little rental car, and I remember it was like a. It was back when they rented. I think it was like 1.5 liter or something. It was like this little rental car that that was real. I mean, Yugo would be a powerhouse against it, I think. I don't even know what it was, but I remember trying to drive up I-70 outside of Denver one day when I was going exploring. I was going to go to Georgetown. And um, and I remember I didn't think the car would literally climb. The, I was thinking I was going to start throwing things out the window. I had to put it down. I had to put it from drive into low just to get it up, up I-70. And I got as far as, as Georgetown and I and I kind of drove through Georgetown and um, and I didn't go very far, but there were some switchbacks above town. And I went out on one of the switchbacks and there was a rock and I went out and I sat on the rock and I'm looking over this town of Georgetown, which was a 1800s, you know, kind of a mining town type thing. And uh, and I thought, you know, I, I should have been born here. I mean, I just felt like home. It was amazing. It was a um, and so within a year, um, I lived in Denver. I uh, I rented a lower level, um, I guess it was the basement of this really nice couple right at the edge of a, a, a 
a popular lake, Sloan's Lake, which is just down from um, the center part of Denver. And so um, that's what got me here. And I literally, if it's felt, this has felt like home and home has felt like visiting um, pretty much since then. Um, uh, like Randy said, I've been selling real estate for about 20 years. Um, I was, uh, I started in a Remax office and ended up being a managing broker uh, for two offices and then um, had some success where for the past five years, we've been in the top 1% um, each year with the Remax brand. Left Remax about a year ago, um, but uh, this year I was awarded um, a, um, not even a five-star professional, whatever it is. But anyway, it's top 1% of, of kind of the Denver metro market for 12 years. So uh, some success, um, but I was ex as excited about developing agents. Um, I had um, When I started the office, we had about 24. When I started being the managing broker, we grew that to almost 70. And I started 40 brand new licensees out of real estate school. Um, and I developed a training program for them. Called, I called it a boot camp. And uh, my goal was to teach them everything they needed to know in one week in order to be successful agents. And then I would meet with them, you know, and kind of mentor and coach and um, felt um, before I left, I had finally developed uh, a couple of those agents to outperforming me, which was what I was looking for. That was when I felt like, um, I, you know, I felt pretty good about the success at that point and thought, okay, you know, now I've, now I've gotten something done uh, to get people to, uh, you know, advance beyond you and, uh, and what you're doing. So uh, about a year ago, I stepped away. There was some um, mismatched perspectives and philosophy with my partner um, and uh, different stage, life stage type things. But uh, it was very interesting. I, um, I had a heart issue. So I've had cancer that was, but I, I don't feel like I should raise my hand in the room when they ask you if you should have, if you had cancer, mine was handled with a surgery um, and, uh, and with no, you know, a, a clean sense that time. But um, I had this kind of evasive heart thing. It was like an electrical problem. And they kept searching for it. And I went through um, lots and lots of different tests and different things. And it was just chasing it for about 18 months. And I mean, I literally went through all the steps and everything that they could imagine. Um, and finally, after I resigned that position, my heart issue cleared away. Um, because it was, uh, in my mind, my self-diagnosis with the Dr. Andrew hat on, which means nothing, is... Um, in the Bible, it talks about being unequally yoked. And a lot of times people have taught that means, you know, if, if, if people are married and one person's a believer and one person's not a believer. But I think, I think that principle goes to um, lots of other significant relationships. And so the, the lack of, if it's, uh, you'd say, synchronicity or just direction or perspective or philosophy um, was so challenging to me. And I, and I was unaware of it. If you'd asked me, was I under stress? I don't know that I would have said I was. Um, I knew I was frustrated by some things. And, and I had a vision. I've always, I've always operated out of vision and story. And um, I had a vision and a story for what to do and what we should do and what we could do uh, and, and continue to, to see growth and success and expansion and so forth. And, and that, was, that was at odds with um, there was a specific afternoon cocktail uh, that I remember where I was just, I was just kind of stunned at the starkness of the difference of our, of our perspectives. And, uh, and so it's just one of those things that, you know, then about 18 months later, um, which was about a year ago, I left that, uh, brokerage and, and resigned, uh, that position and, and, uh, stepped away from the partnership and started a little boutique office here. And, um, February 1st was a year 
And so we are, you know, now in an independent brokerage, my wife and I, and uh, we've got a team around us, but um, really enjoying uh, the next step and the next story. So I don't know. I think I just talked a lot about a lot of things. That's a lot of things. So (laughs) so the word that comes to my mind was awareness. Mm -hmm. You became aware of of uh, an issue, right? Yeah. You weren't sure that it was even happening, but you, I can imagine, like you mentioned that that cocktail, the moment you were having that cocktail and you just had that kind of epiphany that hit you that, you know, something isn't quite right. And then your body was trying to tell you in some significant ways, because I'm sure that could have prolonged into something very severe. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it was really an awareness that then you were able to take action on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, you know, I always, uh, I, I am a learner. I, I, a critical thinker. Um, but again, I also understand, uh, you know, I really live off of philosophy. I, I think I'm pretty discerning about, uh, other folks and, and there's nothing unethical, dishonest, less than trustworthy about this, this partner, very well-esteemed, great person. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, like I said, the best way I can describe it, from my from my background is just unequally yoked. It, it just wasn't an, an alignment of purpose and direction, and um, and I didn't realize at the time that that would lead me into you know a stress induced heart condition. But but honestly, that's 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 literally what it was. And uh, and then once I removed myself from the position, actually kind of at the point of making the decision, um, uh, which happened in November before we actually uh, left the office in in February or at the beginning of February just cleared away. And so, uh, it, you know, that, that just goes to show you how, you know, stress and, and living outside your purpose. You know, I think a lot of people live lives that they've kind of passively accepted, you know, it's like, well, you know, you, you get out, you know, the, the traditional path, you know, you, I'm going to get out of school and then I'm going to get a job. Well, then you get a job and that's harmless enough, right? Cause you know, you think you need to make money and then you make commitments and obligations and then you end up you know, stuck because you, you know, you're in the job and the job, you know, pays for the obligations and the commitments. And then, you know, you wake up 20 or 30 years later and your health is not good and your philosophy is a wreck and your, your outlook and things are, you know, maybe dismal or at least not inspiring. And it's just, you've accepted, you know, a life kind of passively instead of, instead of designing one. And so, you know, I, I think that that was a, a, another critical time you know, there've been lots of, lots of different critical times and events. And, you know, each one, there was a period of time, you know, there's this list out there that says, you know, these are the 20 things that if you've got, you know, three or four of these going on that can significantly impact your emotional health or wellness or whatever. And I remember several times I've looked, you know, I've thought of that list. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm ringing, you know, 10 or 12 at the moment, you know, as far as, as far as the stressors go. Um, but I, I would rather live life actively and, um, you know, at the risk of, of stressors and, and so forth than comfort zone. So. Absolutely. So the, uh, I'm a huge advocate of control, right? Mm-hmm. You need to take control and that starts in the mind, right? Mm-hmm. The awareness part aware, being aware or becoming aware of your situation yeah, and then be able to take control and then take action based on your obligations, like you said, which then turns into the money piece of mm-hmm. Making sure that you have control of understanding where money comes from, where how it's generated, why it's generated, all of those things is, is super crucial in terms of living this life by design versus mm-hmm. by default, which I totally resonate with 100%. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that for sure. What I like to do is I like to mm-hmm. start off with everybody with uh, some three questions. 
that okay. uh, will help kind of this so far is also has been awesome so far. So I'm, I'm excited to hear what you're going to say or an, how you're going to answer these, these uh, questions. And then we'll uh, pick them apart, go a little bit deeper and share some wisdom with the folks. But the first question I usually always ask is who has had the biggest influence on your life? Yeah, that was a tough one. Several, several names, several faces come to mind. I mean, I, uh, I've, I've enjoyed, uh, some good coaches, some good mentors, some good, you know, ministers and, and counselors and, and, and different, uh, influencers in my life. Um, and, uh, but I, but I think that my who, uh, would be God. And that's because I feel like God has invited me into a, a bigger story. I think, um, before I was aware um, you know, that there was, you know, through kind of like senses of transcendence that there was more. And I, outside of my more limiting beliefs that, uh, you know, you grow up in an environment and you're, you're somewhat a product of that environment or maybe, in, maybe mostly a product of the environment. Um, and so you don't understand your limitations. You don't understand, um, you know, kind of the box that you might be in. And, um, and so I felt early on, God had a bigger story, a bigger plan, a bigger purpose, and invited me into that story. Um, I think we live in small stories in most of our lives, and some people never get out of a small story. But yeah, so I, I would say God invited me into larger stories to expand my philosophy, to expand my perspective, uh, to understand the, you know, what I would say is a limitless possibility. Um, I, I don't feel like there's there's any limits at all. Um, I I am the only source of limitation, <laughs> and uh, and so you know it's uh, you know I have to grow uh, I have to grow in order to ex- experience something different as far as an outcome goes. I do believe in cause and effect. So I, so that is something that I would say, and that was early. That was really early, probably teenage years. I sensed more, and I knew that there was more. And actually, I started praying specifically that God would develop me to the maximum of my potential, that he would use me for the greatest purpose that I could, you know, be used for. And, uh, and, you know, a couple of other things around those two prayers, but that was something I probably prayed consistently for several years. And that was without knowing even necessarily what that meant. Um, I was not introduced to personal development until I was 40. And so this was in my teens. And so I really, um, yeah, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know, but I knew there was more. Um, there was, you know, the series of events and and things that happened along the way have kind of began to define that for me in better ways and more vocabulary and easier terms to describe. Um, but yeah, that's that's my answer to that one. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. I appreciate yeah, you sharing. Lots of people, lots of people at different points, but um, but overarching God inviting me into a bigger story. That's great. Nice can't wait to dig in a little bit more about that story where you've kind of come from where you're actually going and where you've been right that's going to be that's going to be super fun so the next question uh, is what has been the greatest challenge in your life and what have you learned from it um well that goes right back to the first the first answer uh, i think it's jim Rohn that says that uh it's not what you don't know it's what you know that just ain't so is that jim i think it might be um and uh, and so I think unlearning, relearning, um, peeling back um, layers of of uh, you know kind of false narrative, I guess about um, about myself, about the way the world works, about um, limits or no limits. I mean, 
you know, I saw someone post, they were, you know, it was a, it was a post around some cocktails and, and I've already said cocktails twice in about 20 minutes. <laughs> I, 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 I don't overindulge, I don't think, but who knows, that's subjective, right? But, uh, but there was a poster, it was around cocktails and cigars and it was kind of like, you know, this is kind of the life I was given. And so happiness comes from just being, you know, making the most of what you've been given or enjoying. And I'm sitting there going like, oh my gosh, you know, it was like, no, 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 no. You know, no, you don't just say, well, it sucks, but I'll drink a beer and do the best I can. I mean, you know, it's just, not, <laughs> it's just, uh, but that's, but that was kind of, you know, probably a perspective that I wasn't too far from uh, for much of my life was just, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, you, you, these opportunities come to you and you wait on them and, and, uh, there's this, this plan and you can screw it up, but you don't, it's, you, you don't really know what it's going to, I mean, anyway, it's just, there's, there's, there's some several things around there, but, um, but yeah, I think that it was, it was, the challenge was being slow to get to people, the voices that I needed, um, like the Jim Rohns and Earl Nightingale and Napoleon Hill and, and and some of that teaching um, and some of those concepts and things and it just it just it took me a while to get there. I, I feel like I'm a late start, I'm a very late start. And I would say I'm a late start as well. I wasn't exposed <laughs> to any of this until definitely into my late 30s, mm-hmm. going into 40s. And mm-hmm. so I would 100% fall into that camp as well. That I, it's not, and it was not something that was in my circle of influence. Hence the reason why I'm trying to produce some content, right? Gets right. messages out there, uh, get yeah. it shared. I think a lot of folks would potentially make some different decisions in their life if they knew that there were different options that, that uh, so there's that level of awareness, right? That it that Absolutely there are agree. different ways of doing, being, becoming that I didn't know. Um, right. Yeah. And it's just super exciting to then try to share those things. So I'm a latecomer too, Andrew. Don't, don't, don't be simple over that, man. It's, it's all good. We're, we're definitely moving on from here. Right. So that's, yep. that's super fun. Exactly. Exactly. So that might tie into then the third question, third and final question is that if you could go back to your 20 year old self. So one thing that I try to do is I try to uh, give wisdom as much as I possibly can back to that younger generation. And so the Mm -hmm. idea with this question is if you could go back to your 20 year old self, say that somebody isn't aware of what, uh, what we're even talking about today. You've mentioned Jim Rohn, Earl Nightingale, and Napoleon Hill, those types of philosophers and those Mm -hmm. types of philosophy, Mm -hmm. uh, if you could go back to that 20-year-old self and say, hey, Andrew is shaking, saying, this is what I wish you knew or you know, what I've discovered and you need to know now. Can you think of anything that like one piece of wisdom nugget that you'd like to share? Well, the interesting thing is my son is a 20-year-old. He will be, uh, he turns 20 in July. And uh, so I actually thought about what I want for him uh, when I was thinking about this. You know, sometimes you you wonder if, you know, I, I think the journey would have been different and maybe better, but I don't discount having to have, you know, having to have the, uh, or have the stories, have the narrative, have the journey that I did have to get me to here. And so I'm not a person that looks back at 20 and says, well, you know, I lost all this chance. I mean, I did, I feel like I'm late starting. So that's obviously being prejudiced against that timing. But, um, but I think being a critical thinker, I think is, is huge. Um, I think that, um, learning to just not accept whatever it is, um, is, is important, but I also like the, uh, the read, listen, and go to seminars. I think that if I had, you know, read more books and read some of the right books, if I had listened to at the time, uh, of when I was 20, it would have been, uh, well, it would have been the, the transition from cassettes to CDs, but, you know, listen to more cassettes and more CDs and gone to seminars. And that's one thing now, 
uh, that I lament is the is the uh, you know the reaction to the p- pandemic has been that people don't gather as much, and it's kind of hard to get people to gather. People would rather you know be online or whatever than get in a room together. But I think there's synergy and energy in a room. And I think getting to rooms and, you know, and when I was in my 20s, I could have gone to see Jim Rohn. I could have seen some of these individuals in person that I didn't find out about until, well, you know, several years after Jim passed and and otherwise. So I think that um, read, listen, go to seminars and be a critical thinker. And uh, I think those are things that are are so important. And maybe I had a little bit of the critical thinking going Um but I don't know that I had, well, I know for sure that I didn't have all the voices that um, that now I rely on and, and really feed me, um, you know, on a daily basis because I, I push all this content toward me every day um, so that it's uh, so that it's always in front of me and I'm always either hearing something again and benefiting from it again um, or, uh, you know, hearing something for the first time. Now, do you, you admit, and I, and I wholeheartedly believe in the getting in the rooms, right? Yeah. To learn, shake hands. Yes. Uh, get experiences. Do you have a, um, like, do you have a focus? Do you try to stick more in the quote unquote personal development side or do you, is it more uh, for your personal or professional development for the real estate, your business, that type of thing? Do you have a kind of a, a mix or an idea of say someone doesn't necessarily know even where to begin? Where do I go to think about uh, what kind of rooms that I can possibly get into uh, do you, do you have you have you had any experiences that uh, you might? Be yeah, I would say work on yourself first. Uh, you know, even if your even if your aim is financial success, I mean, well, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to have the wisdom to use the success? Um, you know, are you you know, and the and the money that comes from success, or or the opportunity, or you know, are you going to be in a room with someone who can help you, but? you know, you're not personally developed to the point of understanding the, you know, the the quiet wisdom that you're in the room with, you know, that you you should really, you know, pay attention to. Uh, so I, I would say work on yourself first. Uh, I think that's the beginning. And, um, you know, so so that's where I would spend. So I guess I would call that, uh, I, I would say personal development. Um, I really, language means a lot to me in words and words and vocabulary and the way you speak about things are are so important. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not a self-help guy, <laughs> but I am a personal development guy. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't think there's 12 steps to change your life or whatever, but I, I think, you know, so, so I think that even in that, in the, if you're going, if, if you imagine a book, a, a real bookstore, that, which, you know, again, a dinosaur, um, you know, get on that aisle. But I, I think the Jim Rohn's, the, the Earl Nightingale's, um, are super approachable, especially Jim, I think is super approachable. I think anyone that picks up a Jim Rohn book is, is it's the concepts are, are super approachable, super plain, super easy to understand. And, um, you know, and very helpful. So yeah, work on yourself first. I think, um, some of the things that Jordan Peterson is doing, and I know that that can be a controversial figure depending on who you're talking about, but some of the things he's doing with, with your, with vision, with, um, personality with traits there's some powerful stuff there too fantastic appreciate you sharing that for sure yeah the uh jim Rohn's earl nightingales were definitely the eye-opening experiences that i had as well right discovering mm-hmm. things that they're they're put in ways that aren't aggressive but at the same they're they're different so it creates that right. critical thinking creates that that gap of mm-hmm. okay where you currently are to where what possibility could actually be out there you don't even realize that, that that's even a possibility and it really gets, right. you, gets you thinking which is a lot of fun so i definitely appreciate you asking that or answering that in that way for sure so one part of your story and we had the pleasure of being co-authors in the book think yes yeah. yes 
And one part of your story, and it goes along, actually comes back to a conversation you and I had, uh, I think it was this last December. And Mm -hmm. you might not, may or might not even remember this conversation, but this was super impactful for me. And I really would love for you to dig a little bit deeper into this was the moment you decided in your real estate business, this goes back Mm -hmm. to real estate business, and you decided that you were going to stop playing small and you were Mm going to step up into the larger estates, land, and how that one decision kind of pivoted everything for you, at least in your real estate business, right? Mm -hmm. When you shared that with me, that hit me like like a two before, right in the middle of the forehead, as far as like, I would consider myself, I hold myself back because of of thinking small, feeling Mm -hmm. small. So even the title, when, when I was presented with the title of joining the book of Think Big, it was like, yes, that's what I want. Think big, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that folks, myself included, tend to fall back into the thinking small, feeling small, and then acting small, which then is going to continue to get you the same small results. Your flip, when you made that decision to go for the larger properties, sales, hence the reason why you've had so much success in the Remax brand. Can you kind of go in that into that detail a little bit? Do you remember that conversation that we had? Yeah, I do. And I, and I remember, I mean, I'm sitting right now about, you know, four miles from where I remember I could take you to the place where I made the decision uh, where we were, my wife and I were driving along in a, in a neighborhood here. And I, you know, I have, if, if I look back at all my different, if I, if I look at chapters of success, I would say it was all about creating a story and then, you know, making the decision and then living into that. Right. Um, I think that, I, I mean, I, I, I think we live in story and I think that a lot of times the story we tell ourselves about ourselves or about the way the world works or about our potential or about anything is just not true. And, and it, and it's because I think a lot of times we don't try to author a story. We, we passively take on the story that other people give us, whether that's a voice of, of, uh, you know, someone who's well-meaning and maybe they're a family member and they just have a perspective and a philosophy that's really skewed and wrong. Um, or someone tells us we can't, or someone defines us, or we allow ourselves to be defined in any ways. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like that is a, just, just one decision among several decisions that I've made. If you, if, like I said, if you look back at the chapters of success, uh, each one is a story. Each one has a, uh, a vision, uh, you know, it's like, you know, you, you think, well, you know, what if I did this or why? I think I can change my world. I can change my reality. I can change. And in that case, it was, you know, basically changed my price point because I thought, well, you know, and it's and anything you do based on based upon commission sales. It's like, well, how expensive is how expensive is your widget? You know, I mean, if you can sell, I mean, the steps of selling are similar. Real estate is a very complex, I mean, real estate has kind of become, and especially in the last two, three years when real estate was so hot, it seems non-complex. It seems like, you know, anybody could do it. And why don't we just go to, you know, turn real estate into like cars.com because, you know, you don't really need anybody to sell or do anything about that. And it's really, it's really not true, especially from a liability perspective and a lot of other things. But um, but it's the same principles for a transaction, whether the transaction's $100,000 or the transaction's a million dollars. It's literally the same steps. And so the the idea was just like, well, why don't I just sell more expensive houses? I mean, why not? We just do that. And so I just, you know, and, and I think that um, I kind of follow a little philosophy called be, do, have, which is, you know, be the person, figure out what you want to have. And then today be the person that has that result take the actions that that person would take today 
uh, in this week, in this month, and then you you have that result. And so, it, the, so then it was basically like, well, here's the result I have that I wanted. Okay, who do I need to be? What do I need to do? What are my actions? And, um, you know, I was able to double my income uh, twice in five years. And, um, and, and it's, I mean, and that's the other thing. I think a lot of people think that their uh, trajectory has to be somewhat linear or kind of like a, you know, if you think the graph and there's this the gradual increase of the line. And so one of the things I would challenge my agents with is you don't need to grow your business by 10% or 15%. I was talking to someone who said that they gave themselves in this uh, entrepreneur and they said they gave themselves a, a 3% uh, raise on their goals for income year over year, 3%. Why would you do it? They said, well, that's the kind of the cost of living raise I would have gotten if I'd stayed in my corporate job. And I'm thinking, no way. I mean, no, <laughs> no way. <laughs> in my mind, 3% is losing, right? I mean, it's just like you, you can double, you can triple. There's, there's not a, you don't, it's not, uh, it's not linear. It's not gradual. It's not a little bit more. Um, and so there's really no reason why you can't double every time, right? I mean, your success can double and not, and, and not be, incremental, right? And so uh, that's what I learned. And then I would end up going, so I, so we achieved this success. And it's one thing to achieve success. It's another thing to be consistent over a period of time. But I would go to these, you know, I go to the annual, the international convention and whatnot. And I would sit in a room with these other performers of who had reached some, and you know, there's, I'm sitting here with people who literally had sold 127 houses and with a team of 20 people. And I'm like, well, there's me and Heather and we sold 25 houses and, you know, we had the same result. Um, and that's all because of, it's all because of price point. It's all because of uh, deciding to be the person who has the the bigger outcome. And so one of the things that I've tried to do with agents, but then also with some other people that I'm talking to these days, I've got an appointment later today with um, someone and, and, you know, I'm trying to talk to her about, you know, valuing herself more. Um, and, and, and expecting more, um, and, and she'll get it. So, That's yeah. Awesome. So it's that decision, right. Yep. Which leads then to the action, the, be- mm-hmm. so this, the becoming first, right. So you yeah, have to have the vision, you have to have mm-hmm. the, the vision of the destination, the idea, right. Mm-hmm. The have, mm-hmm. but it's starting from the becoming, who do I have to become today Yes. to then start doing the actions, right. To then have the result, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I, yeah, I love you, the idea of, of it not being linear, linear right? It's, yeah, it's just really not. A, I don't know where that comes from. I mean, I, I guess that's just from people thinking they should have a little bit more next year than they had this year kind of a thing. Um, but especially in a year like now where, you know, if you've got inflation, probably at 10% or more, I mean, yeah, I know the official least. is six or eight or whatever it is, this, you know, whatever they're, whatever they're saying, but then I have to make, so I have to increase by 10% to stay the same. Right. So why would I look at that as a reasonable goal? Why would I want to do that? And then why stick at 10 percent if if my if my potential is is double or triple? I mean, and it could be right. And um, and it is actually I mean, it might be limited just by how you learn and grow and how you understand your need for change and you find blind spots and you work on blind spots and and you do the work. Um and so, um, but it, it, there's just no reason to to think of growth as incremental. It just, that's, it's a false narrative. So that leads me into the, we have a common mentor in David Nagel who mm-hmm. talks about, so then the first thought that comes to my mind, so I'm trying to put myself in, in you know, an outside shoes thinking, okay, that sounds great. 
But right. So then all the doubts and all the negativity starts crumbling around in your brain and which then leads to inaction, which leads to the negative. You know what I mean? So then it's a perpetual spiral going the negative direction. So David talks about the terror barrier Mm -hmm. resistance. You know what I mean? Because that's usually the first instance when that thing starts to show up, the the terror barrier, the the negative thoughts, the negative beliefs, the stories that we've been discussing here today. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like when you made that decision, I would assume that you started to have possibly some doubts or some things that were creeping up in your mind. And how how did you kind of work through those at that point? Yeah, I I don't recall doubt being huge. Um, Maybe it was because, you know, that's something that that I'd seen happen before in terms of finding solutions and, 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 and experiencing change. You know, I, I really think it goes back to voices and story. And I think you have to say, okay, where are the stories that are telling me that are bringing me fear, bringing me that terror? Okay, where, what's the source of those? And, you know, I, I like to tell folks that think of it as a tape that's playing in your head and then unplug that tape. I mean, you know, just literally think of, okay, this is a, this is a tape. It's a negative tape. It's playing in my head. The story is coming from, it, it could be previous experience. I mean, it could be, well, I failed nine times, you know, Andrew. And so what makes this any different? Well, because just because you failed nine times doesn't mean that that's the, you know, that's not your story, really. I mean, it's just you fail nine times. So failure is not something to be afraid of. Failure is education. Failure is, um, I mean, I think that uh, you have to fail a lot in order to succeed, right? And so failure is not something to fear. But I think that, um, you know, so you, you look at that, you say, okay, where's the stories coming from? You think of them as narratives or tapes that are playing in your head. And again, that's my coming up with tapes, right? So maybe these days it's whatever you want to, however you want to make the analogy that works for you. Yeah. But then you have to, but then you have to then replace those. So you don't want to create a vacuum, right? So what a lot of people do is they say, well, I'm going to, uh, and then I think part of that story problem is you got to get away from those people. There are people in your lives and not that you have to like, you know, leave your parents and never speak to them again, but don't let them influence you. Understand and be alert to, Oh, here comes that thing that that holds me back. Here comes the here comes the conversation. Here comes the same line of thought or 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 you know whatever the communication is. And so I'm not going to let it touch me this time. I'm going to be alert to it. I'm going to separate it, you know, intentionally uh, from something that I'm going to allow to influence me. And then and then I'm going. But then you have to replace. You can't you create the vacuum, but you got to replace it with something else, or or probably bigger terrors come in behind it, right? So. So then that's why you have to find the voices, you have to find the influences that and you do need people with skin on in your life that are those voices, you find the people that are also trying to grow and change, you associate yourself with them more. Um, You know, you schedule times. I mean, if you need to sit down and say, hey, I'm going to have, I'm going to make myself once a week or twice a month or whatever that is, I'm going to have a conversation with someone who's going to be positive and, and someone who's also wanting to grow and change and become more and shares a philosophy. So you bring those people into your life, but if, and especially if that's scarce or rare for you, well then, you know, it's so easy these days with social media and everything else, just go out and like everything that you can find that's a good voice and then, and then, uh, and then keep deleting the crap that comes to you on social media and, uh, and then, you know, and like and respond to the stuff that's good because, and I think that's the way to overcome that terror barrier is, is by changing the voices, changing the story, changing the narrative, but recognizing that, most of us, we do. I mean, I would say everyone lives in story and that's real. And that's not a negative to live in story, but you create your story and you create the story that you want. 
and then you'd make the decision and then you live into the story. And then when you see um, struggle, when you, which is normal, when you do fail on the way to that story, then again, you don't look at it as something to be afraid of or anything that would disqualify the path. A lot of times we're like, oh, well, I had this big idea and I stuck my neck out and it got, you know, chopped off or whatever, you know, whatever that is, right? Well, okay, fine, you know, reattach it and move ahead, right? I mean, it's just, you just keep going. Les Brown, um, he said, you know, when they, he said, when, when at the end of my life, when they come and find me or when I die, I was trying to remember that. I can't remember the quote, so I'm going to paraphrase. When, when, I, when I die and they come to find me, let them find me on that next mountain. You know, I mean, that's where I want to be. I, I want to be on the next mountain. And Jim Rohn says, you know, similar that, uh, you know, it's uh, what's what's the quote? When my story is written, you know, let the story show my wins, let the story show my losses, but don't let the story show that I didn't that I didn't compete, that I didn't try, that I didn't, you know, take action. Right. And so, yeah, I think that um, yeah, that that's that's how you defeat the terror barriers is voices and story. Voices and story. I love that. I love that. Well, Andrew, this has been super valuable. I appreciate the opportunity to have this discussion and, and our meeting of each other. Yeah. I, I just feel so close to you, even though it's been a relatively short period of time that we've actually known each other. Uh, we've got so many different ideas and connections uh, as far as from the our past, like being mm-hmm. being late to the game as far as discovering some of these things and putting some of these in, into practice and, and getting some of the success that we all, I believe, are looking for. So I know that the, the conversation is going to be super valuable to the folks that are listening. Is there any parting thoughts, any words of wisdom that you can think of that even just kind of tied a bow on anything that you've shared with so far today? Uh, one of the things I came across the other day, um, Earl Nightingale uh, talked about that, you know, security and safety do not exist in our life on earth. But most people, you know, spend their lives struggling and searching for security and safety. And, you know, I think that that is, I think when you get your mind around that, that even the life that you think you're living right now, that's in a comfort zone, and maybe you're there because you think that's safe and secure, and you don't want to, I mean, you you have this this idea. I mean, I think people have, uh, you know, the daydream kind of fantasy about, you know, whatever that is, you know, more vacations or a different truck or a different car or what, you know, these, these, whatever. And, uh, but it's like a wistful thinking, you know, and it's like, well, I, if I had, you know, in, in order to go in that direction, in order to have more, in order to uh, dream big um, and experience, you know, kind of a, a life of adventure, I would have to live the, leave the safety and security that I currently have. And I think that's the biggest false narrative out there. There is no safety and security. I mean, your story is a perfect example. You were at the top of your game. You were very valuable, employee number one, you know, huge success and as safe as you can imagine in an industry, which, I mean, they say that the industries that will always survive are what shelter, food and energy, right? You know, and you're in one of those, those, those industries, but there really wasn't true security there. There wasn't true safety. And, but people stay stuck because they don't want to leave their safety and security, which is not real. I mean, it's just not. I mean, where you are isn't real. It's not safe. It's not secure. It could end tomorrow. So it, I think once you get your mind around that, that there isn't, everything is insecure, uh, nothing is safe. And that's, an, that's a very good thing. That's a very good thing. That means the adventure is just ahead of you. And, uh, and so, yeah, and that doesn't mean do dumb things and just expect it all to work out. I mean, that's also not wise. But, um, but at the same time, I think that that would be, I think, a key to my philosophy is 
security and safety don't exist on this earth. And so um, it's ridiculous to search for it, according to Mr. Nightingale. And according to Andrew McWilliams. That's right. Folks, this has been a great conversation. I hope you yeah. found, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I, I Hopefully you'll be willing to come back and to continue sure. yeah, with this at some point, because this has been a lot of fun. There's so many different directions that my mind is just firing like crazy with different pop, <laughs> you know, potential. Let's ask you this and let's ask you that, right? But I know that we need to uh, kind of wrap this one up for today. So if folks want to, they're like, okay, yeah, this who's this Andrew McMillian's guy? Where do I learn more about him? How can I start thinking more like him, uh, trying to reach through some of this terror barrier, think bigger, you know, what are the best places to to reach you and, and learn more about you? Well, I think that, I mean, where people could start is the book that you and I've discussed, uh, Think Big, just that book, um, because there's lots of authors and lots of stories in there. And I think that it's good to read about other people's experiences because that helps to give you examples of success. So I would say go to the Think Big book, um, read both our chapters, but don't stop there. <laughs> read and, and, and click through um, everywhere you can. Um, the, the mcwilliamsgroup.net is our uh, a real estate website um you can find uh you can find us on or find me on uh, facebook and and instagram you can we've got business pages and whatnot and so forth but i mean mainly you know reach out reach out through that uh, love to have a conversation would love to have a cup of coffee would love to do a zoom call with anyone uh who has any kinds of questions and um and i'm happy to be a um you know, kind of a voice of experience, uh, but um, but also a, a voice of optimism um, for you know wherever a person's journey is. Because I I do I think we're we're we are put here with unlimited potential, and uh, I believe that I am a co-creator with the God that invited me into a huge story, and so I should get about creating. And um, I'm happy to to respond to anybody that wants to have a conversation. So, folks, take Andrew up on the invitation, reach out to him, connect with him on the socials. Do you have a, anywhere on the socials? Are you on uh, Instagram or anything like that? Yeah. Or? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I think it's Colorado Andrew, or maybe that's Twitter, but uh, yeah, I'm not too hard. For, what you should do is go to the mcwilliamsgroup.net website. And then we've got some social media links there. Um, we've got a YouTube channel. If you go to my YouTube channel, you're going to find uh, content that's um, about real estate, but also about life. There's some videos and some stuff there that's that's around philosophy and so forth. So you can certainly find it just a few yep. clicks away. Yep. We'll definitely list all the links and, and things like that down in the uh, comment section here with the podcast. So definitely appreciate you sharing that. If anybody's interested in grabbing a digital version of the Think yes. Facebook, you can go to my website at randywilsononline.com and you can get a digital version of the book that we're talking about, the Think Big book. Uh, we'll also have a link to the hard copy version of it. Uh, if you reach out to either one of us, we'd probably be willing. And I'm kind of throwing you out there uh, as far as if you go on to potentially have, send somebody a signed copy if somebody would be interested as well. And I would be interested and willing to do that too. So feel free to reach out to either one of us. Yep, uh, be happy to both. do that. Yeah, yeah, you can get a couple copies. Uh, we'll definitely get you a signed copy if you're interested in that as well. So yep. everybody, hopefully you found a lot of value in this conversation today. Just realize think through, take control, realize that there's a bigger potential possibility for you out there. And it's just on the other side of pushing through the terror barrier, making different decisions, getting yourself surrounded with people like Andrew and the other folks that we have here on the podcast, and just really taking your life to the next level. And I look forward to hearing a lot of the success stories that you have 
here in the upcoming months and years to come. So until next time, uh, look forward to connecting with each and every one of you very soon. And until then, thanks everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. Thank you.